Hello and welcome back to the Fit Life Formula Podcast. My name is Brian Sippitz. I'm the founder of Advantage Personal Training in Ann Arbor, Michigan. At Advantage Personal Training, we help people between the ages of 35 and 65 to live more, play more, and feel strong so that they can be active with their family and friends and get back to doing the things that they love to do. Today's episode is episode 70 of the Fit Life Formula Podcast, and today is actually a part two of the seven habits of highly effective exercisers. So we're doing two episodes in a row about the people who just seem to have a knack for making exercise a part of their life. They're the people who stick with the routines the best. They keep their fitness levels at a relatively high high level, and they just seem to always have time to exercise. And if you are somebody who is struggling to find that you can't find time in your day you you know life takes over you're shuttling kids to and from you're making dinner you are you know taking care of work obligations and you just can't seem to find the time to stick with a consistent exercise uh, routine this is a great episode for you these two episodes are great for you if you're somebody who you know you feel like you have it on lockdown you feel like you do a good job of making exercise a part of your life, this can still be interesting for you because you can kind of take a little self-assessment here and say, you know, which of these habits is a strong suit for me? And maybe how, which ones can I improve? How can I make, be an even better uh, exerciser? So today on, on today's episode, we are taking a look at the uh, numbers four through seven of the seven habits of highly effective exercisers. And so in case you missed it, I'll just briefly go over the first three. And these we uh, we talked about in episode 69, uh, which is one episode ago. And number one, first and foremost, they make exercise a priority. They make exercise, the best, uh, most highly effective exercisers make exercise a big rock. And so big rocks, are the biggest things in your life, the things that you prioritize, the things that you um, make sure you do on a daily or weekly basis. The best exercisers make exercise a big rock. It's they they plan their week around it. And you know, uh, to follow up with number two, there may be some guilt as, uh, associated with that. And so number two of uh, the seven habits habits of highly effective exercisers is that they refuse to feel guilty about making exercise a big rock. And so they understand, the best exercisers understand that exercise makes them more productive. It makes them happier. It makes them more energetic. And even though sometimes there's uh, some effort and maybe exercise is unpleasant for some, but uh, the the effect on the other side is is a net gain because they're healthier, they're happier, they're more energetic. And so, so the best exercisers refuse to feel guilty about making exercise a part of their life. Uh, number three that we talked about in the last episode is that the best exercisers are consistent but flexible. So if possible, it's best to have a consistent schedule. But at the same time, if something, uh, you know, if, if stuff hits the fan and your day falls apart and you have to, you know, put out some fires, there's also the best exercises are also, you know, not too busted up about it if they can't make their consistent 
time or if they can't do the thing that they do consistently. Um, so they're flexible. They find other ways to get exercise. They go for an extra walk or run and um, maybe they make it to a different session at the gym. And so that's a really healthy skill to have is, is to be consistent and to have it built into your life, uh, exercise built into your life, but also be flexible if stuff hits the fan and you're not able to, to get the things done that you want to do at the time that you typically do it. Okay. So that's one through three. We covered that more in depth in the last episode. So go back and check that out. If you haven't, if you missed it, uh, today we're talking about number four through number seven. So we're going to talk about four habits today that highly effective exercisers used to, to put themselves in that position. And to start with today, number four, highly effective exercisers are masters of their time. And so if you were to go through your day and, and record everything that you did, everything that took, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute or more, and you go through that day. And if you were to show me that, if you were to show me where you spend your time, I'll show you what's most important to you. And a lot of time, a lot of times, uh, people will say, well, I don't have the time to get into exercise, but if you were, you know, if you were recording everything that you've done throughout the day, um, you know, there may be 10, five, 20, 35 minutes of, scrolling social media or, or doing things that maybe aren't that important to you. And so by being a master of your time, you figure out where you can have these little 15 to 20 minute chunks, which is really all you need to get in the exercise, um, that you, that you want to get, right? So it may not, you know, on those days where you have 20 minutes, you may not make it to the gym, um, because that's, you know, you really don't have the time for that, but You've at least carved out 20 minutes to, you know, you run out the front door, you head out, run for 10 minutes, come back, you're back in 20 minutes. And, you know, you've done a lot of work within 20 minutes. And that's been a good way to, to spend your time. Okay, so the most effective exercisers, not only know when they can get something in, but they know exactly how long it will take. And um, something I've done for a long time is, is to schedule my days hour by hour. So I kind of take each hour and, and make a, make it a chunk. Right. And I know that for me and for a lot of other people, the way that they work, there's this, uh, there's this law called Parkinson's law. And what it says is that work and really other commitments, uh, work expands to fill the time allowed for it. Right. So if you knew that you had to end your workday at three o'clock because you had, Oh, I don't know something, uh, maybe you had to get your kids to practice or, or whatever it might be. So if you knew that you had to end at three o'clock, you would probably be a bit more productive throughout the day. If you know exactly what you need to get done and you knew you had to end at three, there's a really good chance that you're going to get those things done and done well versus a day where, you know, maybe you usually stop work at five o'clock and you have all these things on your list of things to do. Well, you're going to get those things done, obviously, because you have the extra two hours, but maybe in that time, you spend a little bit more time at lunch. You spend a little bit more time scrolling social media. Um, you know, you allow for other distractions because you know you have the time. Okay. So Parkinson's law is that work expands to fill the time you've allowed for it. And so 
The best exercisers understand that. And because going back to number one, everything sort of goes back to number one here, making exercise a priority, a big rock in your life. They understand that if exercise is in their day as a big rock, then they can complete all the work that they need to do. And they just, um, give it a little bit smaller box, a little bit smaller uh, window throughout the day. And so to carve out a little bit of time for exercises is a really important habit, a really important skill. And so the best exercisers are masters of their time. They do that really well. Number five, uh, the best exercisers get up and go. Okay. The most effective exercisers, they take action. They have the initiative to stop what they're doing and get some exercise in again, goes back to number one, making it a priority, um, making it a big rock in your life. And so there's a, there's a couple of examples of this and, and I've had countless members tell me that and this happens particularly in the morning because it involves getting up out of bed. Um, but they'll say, all I have to do is get myself to the car and start driving to the gym and I've already won, right? It's always a good choice. Not once have I regretted it. I feel so much better on the way home when sometimes it feels or it may seem really appealing to stay in bed and nice and uh, comfortable under the covers. The, the people that get up and go, the people who take the initiative and, and stop what they're doing, in this case, sleeping, and head to the gym, never regret it. It's always a good choice, and it starts their day with a win. Same thing happens if you have let's say an afternoon session scheduled at the gym. If you take the initiative to get up and go, it means at the time you need to leave, it's pencils down and you move on to the next thing because you're a master of your time and you've scheduled exercise for this time. And since it's a priority in your life, you get it done. Um, you know, the, to go along with that get up and go, there's also the, you know, the 20 minutes between calls, you can go out for a, a walk or a run or, or get some kind of movement in, um, even though it may not be exactly what you need, exactly what you want, it still can add up. So if you have 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, pretty soon you've walked or run or, you know, jumped on the stationary bike at your house or whatever it might be. Um, there's that initiative to get up and go to start exercising. The, the start is what stops most people. And the, I love that phrase um, because it's, it's true. It's, uh, it's not the act of doing the actual workout at the gym, especially when you have a plan. It's, it's the stopping what you're doing, putting your pencil down and getting in the car to move to the gym. And so the, the most effective exercisers take action, they get up and go, and they do that because <clears throat> they're masters of their time. They have an idea of how, how long things will take um, and what they can fit in so that they can make exercise a priority in their day. All right, moving on to number six. The most effective exercisers have immunity to criticism. And one of my favorite quotes lately is uh, what other people think of you is none of your business. And so I actually couldn't find who that quote was attributed to. A lot of the, a lot of the sources say unknown, but there is a book by Terry Cole Whitaker that is called what you think of me is none of my business. So I guess like kind of a, a 
correlate of that quote, but the general idea is it doesn't matter what others think of you. Um, maybe the thing that you want to do for the day or the, the way that you want to get moving is, you know, doing a couple lunges, doing some lunges across your backyard and maybe your neighbors see you or, um, my best buddy and college roommate, shout out Matt, uh, pushes a sled. So if you're a member, you know, the sleds that we have at the gym, um, basically it's kind of like a metal, it's got four metal feet on it and you stack weight on it. And, um, so, you know, you can only imagine the noise that this thing makes getting pushed up and down a, a, a paved road or a paved street. And so he's not afraid to get out there and, and do that. Cause that's what he chooses to do as exercise. And, you know, I'm sure his neighbors hear the clatter and look out front, but, uh, doesn't really bug him. And so the best exercises, they don't, they don't really care what other people think they're, they're immune to the criticism. And if you remember back in the last episode, we talked about, you know, not having or not feeling shame or not feeling guilt that you are going out to exercise or that you're spending time exercising. This is really close to, to that. Um, and it's tied to it in a certain way, but the, the way I'll distinguish it here is, uh, guilt is an internal thing. Guilt is a feeling. It's something you feel inside while criticism is something that maybe comes to you from the outside. So if you're not worried about the criticism, you don't feel, um, you know, it's not exactly that, I guess. So if you don't feel, feel getting criticism makes you feel certain ways. Um, so number two is you don't feel guilt about plugging exercise into your life. And that's an, that's completely internal. That's on you. But criticism is something that sometimes get tossed, gets tossed at you from other people. And so the best exercisers, you know, really don't care what people think. If they got to go out and do some lunges in the backyard and, and uh, push a sled up and down the street, you know, that's what they have time to do. That's what they're able to do that day. That's what they've chosen to do that day. So it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really affect them, you know, if there's any criticism tossed their way. Um, finally, number seven, the... Uh, the most effective exercisers ask for help. Um, the best exercises aren't the one who know all the exercises, right? They're not there because they have like an in-depth knowledge of, of exercise of, um, you know, the effects on the body, the, uh, I don't know, maybe they don't have tons of experience, not all the time, like they might, but it's not like that in every case. And there's a good chance that in a lot of cases, they they don't know exactly what they should be doing, but they're willing to ask for help, right? So they may start with a good base of habits, like um, making exercise a priority, being a master of their time, taking action to get moving, all those things that we've been talking about, but they also know that they don't have all the answers. So they seek help. They hire coaches. They work with trainers. They follow an online marathon training template. And what that does for them is that it, it ensures that they're keeping a good balance of activity in their lives. And it adds an extra layer of motivation because all of a sudden, when you have a coach, you have someone to answer to, you have, uh, you know, a person who you feel accountable to. And a lot of times when you hire a coach, not only do you get that coach, but it also makes you a part of a community of inspiring people that you want to be around and who make you want to make exercise a big rock in your life. So we, we come full circle there. Um, because it is sort of this, uh, this positive loop where 
you know, in this case, you ask for help, you get the help that you need. You're around people who inspire you, who are doing things that you want to do in terms of, you know, making exercise a part of your life. Then you want to be around them more. Then you want to make exercise a bigger part of your life. And it's just this positive circle that happens um, from number one to number seven, right? So number one, making it a big rock in your life. Number seven, asking for help. And so that wraps up our list of the habits of the most effective exercisers. These are the people who have baked this into their life. And, you know, a lot of these are personal habits. A lot of them are their, their personal, uh, I guess, strengths. And in a lot of ways, admitting that you, that you need help or that you want help or could use some help with exercise is a strength. It's a personal strength, knowing that you don't have all the answers and that, you know, seeking help is a good way for you to be motivated to be a master of your time. That's another thing. Sometimes when you have a plan, for example, if you're following a, an online marathon training plan, you kind of know exactly how long that's going to take and what you should be doing. There is no decision fatigue, right? Whereas sometimes you go to the gym, even if you have the initiative and you go to the gym, um, and you know, you get there and all of a sudden you're, you're wandering around thinking, what should I do? You spend some time on the treadmill. And then after that, you're like, well, I guess, I don't know, I guess I'll head out. Um, asking for help and having a plan is a good way for you to not only be a master of your time, but it also gives you, you know, a little bit more motivation to get up and go. So with that, we'll wrap it up. And again, these habits are ways for you to sort of flip your life around and make exercise sort of at the core of your life instead of, you know, being something that you have to fit in among all the other things that you do. So hopefully this list has been really helpful. I'm going to go back to the fit life formula here for just a second. I know because I didn't do it in the beginning, the fit life formula is three, two, one. That's three days a week of something that you love to do, something you enjoy, like a a sport or an activity that gets you fired up that you kind of honestly look forward to that you, you can't wait to do. Uh, for me, that would be you know, playing some hockey, tennis, um, soccer, most of the time it's a, it's a game for me. Um, maybe a a trail, a trail run or something like that. Those are all the things that are interesting to me personally. Everybody's going to have their own list, but for me, that's, those are on the top. So it's three days a week of something you love to do two days a week of strength training. That strength training is still really important to maintain tissue strength, to give you the strength to do all those things that you love doing. Um, and, and obviously as you age, we're maintaining and maybe even increasing bone density and, uh, limiting injuries and all those things. So strength training, resistance training is still a big part of an active life. Even if, uh, you know, even if you're a runner or, you know, you do something where you, you feel like maybe strength isn't such a useful, uh, maybe you, you love to walk, right? Strength is still important in that, uh, for those hobbies also. So, two days a week of strength training. And finally, one workout that just sucks. One workout that pushes you to your, to your max, makes you really tired, gets you out of breath, um, and sort of tests that upper limit 
of where you are. I think a lot of people tend to make this a bigger part of their life. You know, you, you think about, um, oh, all the places that measure heart rate while you're working out and everything. And, um, you know, it's good for some, but some people, um, you know, for some people you don't, they don't really want to push to that intensity. They want to make sure that their body is healthy and moving well. And, um, it turns out that our idea of fitness is in, in the U S especially is a little bit skewed. Whereas you don't need that, uh, six, seven days a week. Really what we need to maintain that upper limit is to, is to hit that upper limit about once a week. So one, one time a week in the fit life formula, you're going to uh, do something that's really tough, a tough run, a, a tough workout, something that really challenges you like uh, nine or 10 out of 10 in terms of difficulty. So that's the fit life formula, three, two, one, three days a week of something you love to do, two days a week of strength training and one workout that just sucks. Uh, I hope you hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions at all, or if, or if um, you know, if you just want to sit down and chat, I'm 100% open to that. Uh, if you'd like to talk to a trainer or a coach, feel free to email me here at Brian. That's B R I A N at advantagestrength.com. And I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you uh, about this, the, the, the uh, seven habits of highly effective exercisers or any, anything fitness related in general. I'm happy to chat. So again, reach out Brian at advantagestrength.com. And uh, I'd love to have a conversation. So With that, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, until next time, make sure you're following the Fit Life Formula. That's three days a week of something you love to do, two days a week of strength training, and one workout that just sucks. We'll talk to you next time.